again, listeners, and welcome to this week's edition of the Maroon Weekly. This is our last episode of the quarter and of the year, and we're so glad that you tuned in. As always, I'm Greg. I'm Pravan. And I'm Tim. Now we have a lot of stories to cover, so let's jump right in. Our first story is with Tim on food trucks. Yeah, so recently members of the Chicago community might have noticed fewer food trucks around South Ellis Avenue recently following an inspection from the fire department and the city of Chicago's Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection. Kyle Kelly, the owner of the food truck Cajun Connoisseur, says it's the first time he had seen such an inspection in the seven years he's been on South Ellis Avenue, before which the street was mostly dominated by parking. Why did the inspectors show up? Mobile food licenses needed to sell food from a food truck. Virginia Velasquez, an employee at El Buen Taco No. 2, told the Maroon that the pandemic's closing of offices and slowing of bureaucracy is a prime culprit. Despite sending in an application for renewal in March, she received no word back on continuing the process. Aside from the licenses, the officials also conducted health and safety checks, especially for fire safety. From electricity to gasoline to diesel to stovetops to propane tanks, food trucks run no small risks when it comes to flammability. So why don't some food trucks get licenses in the first place? Thomas Brewer, founder of the food truck What a Jerk, says that licensing can take uh, an extremely long time and can be extremely tedious, and that first-timers often fail up to four or five times before passing. Velasquez further adds that licensing can be prohibitively expensive. It costs enough to buy the equipment for food trucks, not to mention the proper type of equipment that would pass licensing, which itself costs money too. This story was first reported by Finn Hartnett, and the full story is available on the Maroons website. All right, nice, interesting. Have you guys uh, ever eaten from any of the food trucks? I actually haven't, but it's on my to-do list. At some point, I will. I've eaten food from other people who bought from food trucks, uh, and I've never had it directly myself. Yeah, I haven't either. This is a pretty uh, kind of worrying, not going to lie, but I don't know. We'll see how it pans out. Um, okay, for our next story, we'll go back to Tim, uh, who has some info on the Maroons Key Society. Yeah, so the Maroon Key Society is an honorary society in Chicago whose members work directly with college administrators to address some of the biggest issues facing the university. It only admits third and fourth year students with an application and a minimum GPA for acceptance. Aside from serving as an advisory board of sorts to college administration, the Key Society also provides a community for its members. Amani Maryan, a fourth year who has been involved with the Key Society since her third year, describes an environment of encouragement and constructive debates, and above all, of respect between its members. Miran says that some of the issues that motivated her to apply to the Key Society include the shift to nine-week quarters and her interest in the relationship between the university and the South Side. She describes her role as one of accountability, letting the university know that students are actively observing what the university is doing and that the students are interested in hearing updates. This year, Miran hopes to address school spirit, safety, college advising, alumni career connections, and dining, particularly with relation to halal and kosher accommodations. As a broader focus for this year, the Key Society aims to reflect on the changes made and goals set of previous years. Mirian says that while the administration does listen to the Key Society, it is more difficult to tell how much that affects school policy. As Mirian says, a conversation isn't the end of it, I think, but it's a good start. This story was first reported by Katie Langille, and the full story is available on the Maroons website. All right, thanks for that. I actually, this is my first time hearing of the Key Society. No more nine-week quarters is something I can get behind. I know about you guys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a staunch defender of nine-week quarters, but it's, it's really all that I've experienced as a second-year student. Yeah. And yes, I do feel like I, things could slow down a little bit. Um, nice uh, if we could, you know, 
start school at a regular time yeah. <laughs> and have a little bit less of a, a crunch constantly during the year. Absolutely. It used uh, to be 10 weeks. Then they did away with that like a few years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could get behind, like 10 week quarters, fine. Just not nine weeks. All right. And then for our next story, uh, we have, as you know, it's a uh, midterm season. So we have a story on that. As you probably know, we're in the midst of midterm season. And to say it's been an eventful one would be an understatement. Last Tuesday, hundreds of thousands of Chicagoans cast their vote in several dozen local, municipal, and national races. Preliminary results confirmed that most voters cast a straight Democratic ticket in historically progressive Hyde Park, but the factors that pulled them to the polls were diverse. The Maroon interviewed a host of voters, including UChicago students and other Hyde Park residents, who expressed their concerns on a variety of issues, including state-level voting protections, reproductive rights, inflation, and labor rights. Among the many items on the ballot was Illinois' Amendment 1, which would enshrine the right to unionize in the state constitution. It would also prohibit union-weakening right-to-work laws, which are present in 28 states nationwide, and the Maroons' Emma Jansen actually has a story about this up on the Maroons' website, which you should check out. The story was first reported by Finhartnet and is up on the Maroons' website. I I didn't realize that there were so many different factors driving... I guess, I mean, obviously there are, but... I I never really thought about what drives people to vote, particularly and how that could be diverse in such a homogeneously voting area or group of people. Yeah, it's interesting to consider. You know, we'll, we'll know the results uh, soon enough. I think they have to confirm them first. I think that's done with the AP. I'm not entirely sure. Hopefully uh, we'll get a story about that up too. For our next story, we go to you, Pravon. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about the uh, busy contract. Uh, Chicago's business economics track facing supply and demand crisis, an article by Peter Maharis, discusses the burgeoning popularity of the busy contract and the ways the economics department is trying to handle it. Economics is by far the most popular major in the college, and about half of econ majors are pursuing business econ. The busy econ specialization <clears throat> was formed for the 2018-2019 school year, Initially as a standalone major offered jointly by the College of the University of Chicago and Booth, but after concerns that its pre-professional nature would detract, no pun intended, from the liberal arts-oriented academic environment of the school, it was modified to be a specialization within the economics major. BusyCon, which is attractive to students uh, mostly because it requires less math background than standard econ, is especially struggling with classes fulfilling the methods requirement, as third and fourth year students who have been waiting for particular methods classes are registering along with second years. Econ Department Chair Robert Scheimer has noted a number of potential solutions to the shortage of class seats, such as giving preference and pre-registration to economics majors over non-majors, and hiring more professors. Scheimer also expects growth of interest in the track to slow over the next few years. The article is available on the Maroons website. Yeah, it's interesting. My sense is that, you know, traditional econ majors have contempt for biz econ majors. That's what I've heard. I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah, and that's not just limited to econ majors. A lot of um, STEM majors, even liberal arts majors, see it as the easy way out to not come to a rigorous academic institution, not do as much work as your peers, and then go, go make a lot of money afterwards. Right, right. But uh, in the article, Scheimer has defended the idea of a business economics program, saying, quote, I think we are teaching something which is useful, and I don't think that's a horrible thing. Um, you d- it's not like 
you need to take this course in order to get a job at a Fortune 500 company or something like that. Um, I think the intentions of the course are, yes, that it is pre-professional in nature, but I hope that the, the course doesn't shift the culture of Chicago away from like adventurous inquiry and the liberal arts sort of mindset, the life of the mind mm-hmm. that, that we're known for. In a way, it seems like they've reconciled the two things by not creating a, a standalone major. Right. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it uh, pans out. And next we go back, we come back to me um, for a story on drug testing. So recently, the Biological Scientist Division, or BSD, announced that it will no longer test most employees for marijuana. Pre-employment drug testing will continue to be required for University Chicago Police Department officers and some employees in the BSD, transportation, and campus and student life. Associate Director for Public Affairs Gerald McSwiggan told the Maroon that it began to stop pre-employment drug screenings for cannabis in late autumn quarter last year, with the process being completed in spring quarter of this year. John Schneider, director of the University Chicago Center for HIV Elimination and a professor of medicine and epidemiology in the BSD, led a campaign that pushed for changing the BSD's drug testing policies. On February 12th, he and nine other co-signers, all doctors and professors in the BSD, sent a letter to the university's administration advocating these changes. Among their arguments was that the tests were inconvenient for many candidates as they needed to be conducted at UChicago Medicine in Hyde Park, since the university does not accept tests from other labs. In the following months, the issue escalated beyond the BSD, prompting these university-wide policy changes. The full story is up on the Marines' website and was first reported by Hugo Smith. This is an interesting development. Um, I, I do hope that it sort of broadens the, the outlook of people hiring for the university, because... Yeah, I guess it opens up a lot of doors to people who may not have had access to to work here before and who really want to work here. It's especially interesting to hear that they didn't allow testing at other facilities. I wonder why that was, but we can only speculate. So right. we will go on to our last story. Back to you. Yes, this is on. Uh, this is also on classes, but this is on Professor Rebecca Journey's class, The Problem of Whiteness which has been rescheduled from winter quarter to spring quarter, as reported in an article by Yuan Lu. Since classes for next quarter became available last week, the class name and its description have been circulated on Twitter, held up by right-wing students and newspapers as an example of, quote, anti-white hatred at the university. Because of this, Journey has been the recipient of over 80 harassing emails and wishes to postpone the class in order for the university to implement appropriate safety measures for her and her students. Though Journey has no plans to modify the course description or content when it eventually becomes available in the spring quarter. <clears throat> the class, which is cross-listed in the Anthropology and Race and Ethnic Studies departments at UChicago, had a previous iteration in winter 2022, which Journey describes as wonderful. And a class with the same name has also been offered at the University of Wisconsin in 2016 and also received backlash. Like Wisconsin, the UChicago administration has defended the idea of the class, citing the Chicago principles which are a 2014 articulation of the university's commitment to free expression. Other Chicago professors have also advocated for the class, which Journey says examines whiteness as, quote, a social construction, not a biological fact. And with that, that's all the news we have for this week. Again, I'm Greg. I'm Pravon. And Tim had to leave us. Thank you so much for listening. You will hear us next year. You will hear us next year. 